Welcome, Welcome to, to Power, Power of X-Men, 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 the greatest, the greatest comic book podcast in all of the multiverse. So our guest today is Anthony Lowbridge Ellis. He is the co-host and co-founder of the X-Nation podcast, which is one of the longest established X-podcasts that is still active. X-Nation first began as being downloaded onto iPods as X-Addiction back in July 2008. Continuously publishing for 13 years, X-Nation chronicles the friendship of Anthony and his co-host Paul, who first met online on an X-Men forum along with Anthony's own queer journey. Plus, a hell of a lot of X-Books have been reviewed on the show too. You can listen to X-Nation on the Cultural Wormhole Podcast Network, or wherever you get podcasts from, and dig into 13 years worth of back issues on Spotify. Anthony <laughs> lives near Birmingham in the UK with his husband, David, and their three cats, Dakin Roger Moore, Wyatt Ezio Auditor, and Vesper Emma Frost. During the whole making of X-Men and the casting of X-Men, I was there in the production office. Remember, you don't need to scream for help. When banshees are around. Was it supposed to be Jean or was it supposed to be Madeline? I drew that image and a deliberate hint at things to come. What makes Marvel Legends so special? Just the partnership with Marvel, you know, continuing to work with Jesse Falcon. This is your special guest host, Mr. Sinister. <laughs> you, know, you would never put Storm in a ponytail. That would be well, weird. You could, but it that would be weird. <laughs> but giving it to Jean kind of made her the girl next door that everybody could talk to. When I met Stan, he was very gracious and 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 very kind. This is the Power of X Men podcast. I am your host, Dayspring. Hope you survive the experience. Thirteen fucking years and so, like it, it's been a it's been a journey and like i'm saying like i'm not expecting people to go back and listen to 13 years before they because it gets really weird as well because cultural wormhole hole has lots of other little mini shows in there so there was a fantastic four one for a bit there was an avengers one but mainly x nation has run for 13 continuous years we'll be we'll be 13 years old um ready for our bar mitzvah on um on <laughs> On um, July the 30th. Um, so, yeah, we're nearly 13. Are you wow. doing anything to celebrate? We always just, like, do you know what? Like, I love talking. To, I love X-Men, and I love doing my podcast, and we have people that listen to us. But do you know what? Like, if no one was listening, I just like doing it to hang out with Paul. Um, Paul and I met on this forum. We were just really good friends, and we're chatting. We thought to do this. Mm. And over the years, um, we've become such good friends, Um like um and we we he joined me on my honeymoon with his wife and he met me and my husband when we went to new orleans that sounds kinkier than it was <laughs> no <laughs> wow yeah i just love that your your friendship i mean having a co-host named paul i mean that's a pretty great thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, i don't know it depends <laughs> depends if we're talking to each other right <laughs> And we go on holiday all the while together now. Me, me, and um, me and my husband, um, him and his wife, we're really good friends. We've been to Disney World together. We we went to the uh, Berlin to cheer her on running the Berlin Marathon, and we've just become a really good friends. And le- really, the podcast—I um, don't want to say this sounds like heresy. The podcast is me and Paul hanging out first, and then X Men second, even though we both adore X Men to death. Oh, I think that's incredible. And I mean, 
13 years of of the same podcast with the same co-host i mean me and this guy couldn't go like 13 minutes <laughs> that's i mean that's really super super impressive and like the fact that like x-men just brings people together like that to like the point where you're close enough to to like go on your honeymoon together i mean that that yeah. says it all like this fandom really does bring people together and it's like creates lasting friendships no it really does and um he, he's we live he lives in um, kentucky um and so we're half a world away but like he's one of my best friends Oh, I love that. And that mirrors a lot of our story, Flink, except um, you're not coming on my honeymoon. Maybe for my second marriage. Yeah. <laughs> for my second marriage, I'll be like, do you want to come? I'm like, sure. <laughs> Join. Honey, like, we, we did a thing about across all of America and Paul and Allison joined us for three days in New Orleans. And there were three wild days where like it's New Orleans. So obviously, but like, I don't really remember much of it other than that, like alcohol was flowing. We like were eating <laughs> beignets. We had some fun. Um, and then we went off along America to see other places without like my friends tagging along. It was just me and my husband then. I love New Orleans so much. Yeah, me too. I miss it. That's one of the places I have missed so much during this pandemic. Running off to join the the, the Thieves Guild. Yeah. <laughs> Tavin. Well, I, I also think of uh, Coven. I think of Miss Rubbishow's Academy. Yeah. So, so much things are filmed now in New Orleans. I think they've got good tax break money. So. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Scream Queens also was there. Ryan Murphy loves New Orleans. Yeah. So wait, Anthony, I want to ask a question. You've been doing this since probably before Messiah Complex, all the way through the Krokoan age. Yeah. How do you think X-Men has evolved over the course of 13 years? And how has your approach to talking about the X-Men evolved? Um, I... I was saying a little bit before that I'm sometimes a bit of an X-Men apologist and even when it's bad, it's good. But um, like, I think consistently since Messiah Complex, um, I'd say even before Messiah Complex to like Rise and Fall of the Shi'ar Empire, um, the Mike Carey Blinded by the Light, which is my favourite X-Men story of all time. Yes, 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 yes. Um, um, I still get shivers every time I think about the Lady Mastermind snap scene in x-men 200 i think he's amazing um but yeah so even from then all the way to now i think has been persistently pretty good apart from x-men disassembled um and that was terrible i it it, it was it was rough <laughs> i think there's been personally i think there's been some some like some real peaks and valleys in there. And I think definitely one of the valleys, something, a, a run on X-Men that, you know, I'm not going to be too fond of ever probably is like the post Bendis, like in humans ascending era. Like oh, how yeah. did you, how did you cover that when the X-Men were just like so downtrodden within the Marvel universe and like, we're just not getting their due at all. Like we read other we, we don't review them on the show, but we read other books um, and we, we read, we're big Marvel people. Um, yeah. And so we, we, we read the other stuff and, and we knew that we were like being abused by Marvel. <laughs> but, like, but you take what you're given. And so like, we, like we liked, we, we liked, it's not like Stockholm Syndrome. We liked what we got. Like I really liked Extraordinary X-Men as a book. IVX was an awful and it like ruined oh. Emma Frost. Um, oh yeah. Um, um, but like, I liked some of the, the things in there. I thought some of those, some of the little, some of the stories were actually quite good. Um, 
like I, her jumping off the cliff and timing her shifting into diamond form. That was a nice moment in a very <laughs> awful book. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I, I think it's just that, that Stockholm syndrome. I, I think it was really terrible, but, but also like, I think we're all intelligent enough to know that Marvel were doing it for other reasons. They were doing it because of the film franchise. Yep. And I think once you could see that, you were like, well, you're only doing it because you know they're better. Like, stop trying to make Inhumans happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it very well did not happen for them, yeah. did it? I'm so glad it, the series blew up in their faces. Can you imagine if we lived in a world where the Inhumans were yeah. in place of the X-Men right now? I just, no. I remember my husband and I watched the pilot episode and we were like, oh no, this is not good at all. <laughs> Let's never watch it again. I still have never, never watched it. And I've watched some pretty terrible things for Marvel over the years, but I have not been able to bring myself to watch the Inhuman show just on principle. I'm like, you don't know how I was personally victimized <laughs> by the Inhumans. Like I tell my husband, he's like, okay, babe, sure thing. <laughs> I, I I agree with what you were saying, though. I think the X-Men, and there are low points in the stories, without a doubt, but generally speaking, I think from, let's say, you know, Rise and Fall of the Shi'ar Empire all the way through to maybe Battle of the Atom, those are some pretty solid stories. There was some direction. But then the Inhumans versus X-Men happened, and then they didn't know what to do with the time-displaced X-Men. And then they just started going all over the place until we got to disassembled. And thank God for the Krakoan age. I, there, there are some books I'm not wild about in the Krakoan age, but that's okay. I like the approach the X office has right now, which is there's a book for everyone. And if you don't like a book, <laughs> we're not sweating it. There's a reason why you don't like it. Cause it's meant for another type of reader. There's a, there's a book, there's a, um, a book in that, run that you're just talking about there where there's some low points which again I'm an apologist for that I know a lot of people hate but I was a massive and so was Paul like our podcast sometimes can be so boring because me and Paul normally agree on everything uh, we, we very rarely disagree <laughs> so, nice. like, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> we um we no, no, not here. Uh, I me and Paul both loved we felt like the only two people in the world that loved X-Men Gold um, but oh, okay. I, I was a big fan of X-Men Gold. I thought it was really cool, little classic sort of thing. And um, I, actually, um, I actually was a big fan towards the end. It started off really rough, but um, um, I really liked Young X-Men when it got to the very end of that run. Um, oh. And I think um, that's... And I think that that was another reason why like, I liked um, Mark Guggenheim's writing, so I liked that book. So, yeah, I'm... Um, yeah, I'm like a massive apologist for stuff. Don't that... you don't have to apologize here. Don't worry. But I, I will never apologize for um, disassembled. It was trash. <laughs> Garbage. Garbage. It was. I I'm not a huge X Men Gold fan, but I, I I can agree that there are things worth reading or or enjoy things that you can enjoy within within that era. Like I specifically. Um, I really liked the Magneto-led Uncanny X-Men that had Monet and Sabretooth on the cast. I thought oh, that, yeah, was, that was, I mean, it was essentially one. it was an X-Force book, but yeah. I thought that was, that was pretty good. I thought X-Men Blue had its moments, yeah. um, especially when they were bopping around world, world, and we got to check in on, you know, 2099 and some other. Oh, that was really good. Yeah, yeah it was, I, it was really I love fun. That. We, I got that we, we had Gay Pyro and Iceman, which was good. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we got the we got the Gambit and Rogue Wedding, which was amazing. Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. X was really enjoyable. Like, yeah, there 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 were things within that era, but I think you know, collectively as as X Men fans, we've we've been able to you know sort of breathe a sigh of relief and sort of trust that you know X Men are Marvel's priority again, and yeah. the X Men really are at their best when Marvel lets them flourish and lets them be the you know the headlining superhero team that they are so yeah. I, I i know we're all glad that we're living in an era where it's a little bit more like that now <sighs> yeah totally and i'm kind of like hoping that they don't try to go i'm hoping that we know inferno's coming we know there's going to be like a fall of x but i'm hoping that like just charles and eric like fall and Krakoa continues and I'm also hoping that when Marvel finally do mutants in the MCU they don't try and do anything else but Krakoa because Krakoa really works and explains perhaps why we haven't heard from them because they've been off living on an island all on their own and no one knows um, so that's what I hope happens well one thing I hope we do get to see in the MCU is the Hellfire Gala Oh which God, is yeah. why we've assembled here today to discuss because it has ended with X factor 10 and it had a massive ending, but I figured we can all sit down and just have a free flowing conversation about the hellfire gala and our initial thoughts on it. And Anthony, I I'm curious, what did you think of, of the hellfire gala as a whole? I really, really loved it. I, I'm always someone who's excited for New Comic Book Day, but I was crazily excited for New Comic Book Day. I get my comics um, digitally. Um, and although I did have to spend lots of money on <laughs> sort of fashion magazine covers of the Hellfire Club. All the David Nakayama. Well, I'll be cover. collecting them all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I remember every Wednesday morning, it would be like, refresh, refresh. Are they uploaded yet? Can I read them yet? And what time do they upload for you? Eight o'clock in the morning. So like I, I normally start work at about half past eight. So I was like, refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> um, and then try to fit as many in before work as possible. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, I totally loved it. And um, I, But there was some things that I found quite surprising. I think I was halfway through when we got to X-Men, the X-Men issue where the team was revealed, when suddenly it hit me, I was like, oh, wait, this is happening in Pride Month for a reason. This is about Pride. And I didn't get that until halfway through. Um, but I thought that was fantastic. And I, I was a bit surprised as well that um, quite how sort of not new reader friendly, because it wasn't. Every now and again, I do this thing where my husband reads comics and he knows comics and he knows X-Men because I forced him to read most of the Chris Claremont run, but um, he doesn't really read them on a day-to-day. -day. But if we're, if I say like, this is a fantastic issue, read it. Like he'll read it and he, he won't know what's going on. But I made him read a few of these, but I was surprised because um, a lot of them, it was just like the regular book just continuing and it, the scene was just a Hellfire Gala. It wasn't that he didn't, if you didn't want to read every single issue, I don't think you needed to. You could just read your favourite book and get a nice little idea of what was going on. Obviously, there's some key ones with the red issues that were really, really important. But like, I was just surprised with the fact that it it was a crossover, but not really a crossover. It was just a scene. And I really liked it for that. I, I think you bring up a really good point uh, as to how the books were kind of continued to allow to still be 
they're, you know, what they are. It's not like Messiah Complex coming along and like completely co-opting the plot of X Factor for a few months. This was, yeah. you know, everybody still got to tell their stories with their characters. It wasn't anybody co-opting it. And I think, I think across the board, I, I agree that that, that worked um, really well. I think the only time it didn't work so great for me was probably New Mutants um, and the stuff with Rain not even like dressed nice, like walking around the, the, the gala talking about, you know, her son Tear. And I, I, it for me, it seemed like that was a little bit, that conversation was kind of shoehorned into the gala. But for the most part, I, I agree. I think it was, I really appreciated this crossover for how little like or traditional crossover it is. It just sort of, every book just sort of dovetails into the next. It's all kind of seamless. And, you know, you could in theory miss something um, and, and still get a complete story. And I really liked that. I thought that that was uh, a really smart thing of, of Marvel to do after, especially after, uh, you know, an X-Men crossover like, like Ten of Swords, which was really narrative dense and you really yeah. had to know what was going on in each issue for the whole thing to make sense. It was a good change of pace. Yeah, I agree. I think the one thing we're noticing now with the X-Office is how organized they are. And it's no easy feat that these books all streamed together and there wasn't that many inconsistencies. I mean, we started Generations of X talking about Ten of Swords. That was a dense read. And we, we can say what we want about Ten of Swords, but it was very well organized. And I feel the same thing about the Hellfire Gala. And I agree, you could pick up your favorite issue, as you guys were saying, and you could just follow along in the story. And everyone had their own unique perspective on it. And that's what I really appreciated about it. I'm going to be honest. I was in LA when the first two issues published. And I read them. And I was actually initially disappointed with Marauders 21. And then we got X-Force afterwards. Not because I thought it was poorly written or anything where I didn't see what they were trying to do there. But it felt like a little bit of a lackluster start to the Hellfire Gala, because you're like, okay, they had this really wonderful party and things kind of kicked off. It seemed seamless for the most part, although that fucking scene where Emma is like, oh, look at Captain Rogers. I want to hook up with him. And she goes, oh no, I remind him of his mother. And I'm like, bitch, who the fuck was Captain America's mother that they look like Emma Frost? Uh, maybe before all the surgery. <laughs> I am... Um I think that it was really good as well because I think that there's 12 issues that made it up and obviously there were some other um, books. Um, I know Guardians of the Galaxy had a bit of a, a, a link to it, but there was 12 main books. I thought it was really good that like 11 of them I thought were really good. I, I wasn't a massive fan of X Factor, but I don't blame that on the gala. I think that's a shame that Leah um, and David have had to cram yes. like two arcs into two issues um, and it just she didn't have the space to say what she wanted to what, uh, what she wanted to say and I think that's a shame um, and that I, I think that came out and that that as the last book of the the event was a bit of a sad thing for me but um, I, like I said I don't really think that was their fault they just needed to end this book and they didn't want to lose ling these li lingering um, plot threads again you could argue the fact that like it wasn't really a Wolverine issue it was another X-Force issue but I mean we got Sage slapping Beast right in the face so 
Yeah. Oh, we love that scene love so much. That. Wait, so let's 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 kick off by talking about Marauders twenty one and X Force twenty and your 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 thoughts on it all. I just thought it was really uh, the one thing about that. Obviously, it's a massive Emma Frost issue, um, and that's one of the other things that stood out for the gala. It was very. It was an Emma-centric event, um, which again, the guys are gonna love. And um, I, <laughs> and I just and like the fact when Emma kept popping in in like X Force and the whole thing with Beast and the um, telling Beast to um, shut it down and uh, telling telling Sage to shut it down. I just like thought it was um, fantastic. I I have to admit I wasn't a massive fan of like all the celebrity cameos just because um, I was like Marvel, like who's who is looking at that? But all the celebrities were like people who were famous like so long ago that they didn't seem that hugely relevant. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a really fun story and it kept having the, um, there was these little mysteries and these things that were going to happen and you just wanted to know what was going to happen next in all of the, in all these early issues. It just, the pace kept going. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I would say in those early issues for me, it was it was a little bit of a slow start, but that's not to say that there wasn't still little little nuggets that I really loved in there. I mean, we had our Emma and Banshee reunion. Oh, that was I great. I loved it. I thought about you so I wish we weren't fighting because I <laughs> thought so much of you. No, we had reconciled by then. Um I thought of you when I saw that because what's the one thing we complained about for months? is that banshee wasn't doing well we complained about a few things but i think more <laughs> that banshee wasn't wasn't doing anything he was just popping up in the background of of all these books he wasn't really getting any lines he was sort of turning into the cameo queen and i'm sorry but that role is already filled by dazzler yeah. um <laughs> i'm i'm really excited for him in marauders i think he's a really solid choice uh, to replace Storm. And I think that, you know, him joining the cast of Marauders is an excellent consolation prize for those of us who were really pushing for him to, to win the, uh, the fan vote. So I, I'm really happy about that. Um, I will say something, I, I believe it was Marauders 21, um, there, when they did the, the opening concert, I, I do have to say, uh, what the fuck? How are you going to have an opening concert and have it not be Dazzler? She was robbed. She robbed. was robbed. But, and she's but, just doing little gigs at the Green Lagoon now, like, seriously? I mean, I'm happy she's got her little her little regular gig at the, at the Green Lagoon, but she should be opening the gala. But I'm telling myself, it's fine. It's fine. She was probably on, on voice rest anyway. She had just <laughs> used it to free all the slaves in the Mojo verse. Girl <laughs> was exhausted and she was like, you know, fill in for me. So she was probably their first choice. I, I agree about that with Dazzler because a, a, you know what, maybe not your opening act, fine, but at least give us a Dazzler concert that yeah. isn't a drunken nightcrawler. And I know I'm jumping ahead, but like with what you were saying, Anthony of, uh, uh, of being at the Green Lagoon, like it's a day of the of the performance. It's a day of the Hellfire Gala. You should not be there. You should be getting ready. Your people should be talking to you. You should be in rehearsal. I was like, come on. That's my only qualm with the Hellfire Gala. I'm fine. It's mutants. They can resurrect a dead planet so they can put on like a gala, like no sweat. But I was like, as someone who does galas for a living, 
like you're not just at the Green Lagoon bar, you know, doing something before. Like Emma just doesn't just waltz on stage and like there's no run of show or anything there. Like it just made me all really nervous seeing how like la li la like they were. Like Scott and Gina are just like, hey, we're going to announce the new X-Men. I was like, but there people would be sitting down. People would just automatically, but I get it. It's supposed to be like the mutants. But that's the thing that really annoyed me with that when they announced, I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but when they announced that new team, it was a bit like the Oscars when everybody who is going to win is in the room. It's like, what if, what if suddenly voted Cosmo? She was sitting eating marshmallows in the forest. Like it was really weird that everyone was there at the gala who was going to win and they all had the costumes on. Um, yeah. It seemed rigged. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. You know, it's there, there were little things with the run of show just because I do that again, like that my hat was going by. I put on my auctioneer hat, but I will say fuck Beast in that issue where he was here like, oh, Emma's already gone off script. I'm not doing this again next year. Fuck you, Beast. No one wants you back. Like you're absolutely useless. Get in the hole. Fuck you. Get in the pit with Sabretooth. <laughs> He's the worst. Like who does he think he is at this point? Who does he think he is that he can like implant international you know I, I i don't know it's just he's taken it a step too far for me with, with with his assholery and like i'm glad that he's like at least self-aware that he's like the worst like maybe that self-awareness will will, will help him somehow but like it's not going to help me find him likable that's for sure mm. All right, Hellions 12 and Excalibur 21. What did you fellas think of those issues? I can't remember a comic that I've laughed out loud more like of in recent years than Hellions number 12. And I think Hellions number 12, um, it'll be a hard job for any other comic this year to beat that as one of the best comics of the year. It was just so funny, but so full of amazing character moments. I'm loving the Grey Crow and Psylocke getting closer um, relationship and Havoc's sort of sad little loser going around asking about Maddie this, Maddie that. I just think he's, I'm here for. Who's in the background when he's talking to Magneto about Maddie. Who is in the background? Mystique, sipping oh, yeah. her Prosecco. The same, the inferno's coming. Yeah, I, it's, I thought it was so funny, and and some of the um the the nanny. If you would have told me a year ago that I'd be loving a book with nanny as one of the lead characters, I'd be like, what are you on? But it was so funny when she smashes the glass and goes for him. <laughs> Here comes what did she say? It's the Armageddon. Here comes midnight, bitch. I'm forgetting what she said. It's hysterical. <laughs> Mr. Scott Free was like, this is two queens fighting at a gay bar. <laughs> Yeah, I, that, I thought that was great. And I loved um, David getting progressively uh, more drunk. Um, that was really, really good. I I really, I think this is probably my favorite issue of, of Hellions thus far. Um, some of the hijinks have been a little too much for me. You know, I, I've said it in other places. I'm kind of sick of sassy sinister. I kind of want him to come, go back to being menacing. Um, you know, I didn't love the arcade arc. And of course I was beside myself over, over what happened with Madeline in the, in the first, uh, handful of issues, but I thought this was fun. It really shows how they're like growing together as a team. It's still sort of showing, you know, how everyone fits into this dynamic and, you know, poor 
Psylocke and, and Grey Crow are kind of like the adults in the room. Like normally I would say Havoc is, is the adult in the room, but he's kind of, you know, this sad, lovesick puppy at this point over his brother's dead ex-wife, but that's totally fine. But I did, yeah, something you did touch on, um, Anthony, you, you touched on it earlier and Dayspring, you just sort of brought it full circle for me. The art uh, in this, is in, in the gala has just, was just great. And I do agree with you that some of the cameos were super cheesy, but then you get moments like Mystique in the back of the, of the panel in Hellion. She's like, like you said, sipping her, sipping her juice and overhearing the goss. Um, that, just that one little thing in the background went like a really long way to sort of like calm my nerves regarding whether or not Madeline was gonna be uh, a part of the new Inferno. I mean, it makes sense, of course she would be, but like, you know, Mystique has been the focus for, for everything. So just little things like that. And then, you know, another one that sort of pops to mind. I don't know what issue it is and maybe I'm jumping ahead, but there's a scene uh, with Laura with X-23 um, and she's talking to somebody and then Sink, uh, without saying anything, is sort of like she sees him approaching and she like ends the conversation and walks away. And just I like, where it is, but yeah, it little things like that. Little things like that in the art. Like I I I was worried about Madeline. I'm not worried about Madeline anymore. Mystique knows now. She like hearing all of that, she's like, Oh, the, you could see the gears turning in her head. Like, I can use this in my revenge plan you know, involving destiny. So even with, even without speaking, they found ways to like move character plots forward in this. And Hellions was a very good example of it. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed this issue of Hellions. The reason why you were saying that about the art too is because it's so transparent. They're all on the same page. They're all on that X Slack 24 hours a day. Well, I'm assuming 24 hours a day. And they're all like bouncing ideas off of each other. Like we've spoken with like Rod Rice in the past and he was just like, yeah, I, we're on this X Slack. Everything's coming in. They're explaining the stories. So everyone, you're not trying to connect dots anymore as an editor. You're uniting people and you're letting them tell this very deep, beautiful story. And yeah, it shows in those little details. Excalibur 21. What did we all think of that? This was the only one where I think that they got the ordering wrong in the back. And like, I think that you should have read X-Men before you read Excalibur because yeah. you get ro you get rogues sort of and Gambit's reaction to the team being announced. And I think, although that's a reaction and we all knew because of um, promos coming out, who was on the team, I just think that it read better the other way around. So I actually, um, because of the time difference, um, I actually um, uh, messaged Paul, my co-host and was like, don't read them the wrong way around like and he, he it got to um, because he started to realize I was reading them at half past eight in the morning it'd get to when he woke up and he messaged me going I'm not going to the comic shop till later don't um, send me any messages about <laughs> books um, I thought it was a great issue Excalibur is the book that I'm down on the most in the current X line even though that I love Gambit so much um he doesn't really do much in that book anyway but like even though I love Gambit and Rogue so much um I find that one the most, um, the way that you guys were talking about like Ten of Swords being so dense, I found that one being um, really um, quite, I find Excalibur quite dense all the while. I did like all this sort of stuff with um, Britain, um, 
pulling itself out the trade deal because that reminds me of home. <laughs> and yeah, I was going to ask. I was going to ask. You're the you're the right person to to ask about that. Did you feel like that was heavy handed at all, or do you feel like they like did it really well? No, because I feel like that's what Britain would do. I, I, like, <laughs> we're like we're being run by like a right wing government right now, and I feel like my government would do that. Like suddenly they'd be scared of the mutants, so they would renege on the trade deal. Um, so yeah, it's really um, like. Um, Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, is the only thing that makes me proud about being British, other than the fact that um, our England football team is in the final on, on Sunday of the Euros um, Cup. Um, but yeah, I just think it was, a, I think it's a good issue, but it's, I have trouble with Excalibur anyway, so it was never going to be one of my ultra favourites. I agree that Excalibur is a very dense read. I think Teeny Howard and Hickman together complement each other where he could be a little bit more stiff. She loosens, loosens up his like character interactions and vice versa, where she can be very uh, knee deep in the world building. He sort of gives her more of a direction. So I love them together. I think they learned so much of each other doing empire and 10 of swords that I think since those crossovers, I've enjoyed Excalibur quite a bit. I think also like Excalibur just had an unfair bar on my end because that was a book I was most excited for with Gambit Rogue and, you know, Betsy and her Captain Britain outfit holding up the sword aloft like Shira. Jubilee, don't forget Jubilee. Jubilee and Richter and Apocalypse. So, you know, it's, you know, Excalibur has grown on me. The only thing I'm going to say about the Hellfire Gala issue in particular, I, I love, I loved, I loved it a lot. I liked that we got the hint with Megan being pregnant. I love the dance between Betsy and Rachel, but Richter's outfit is so fucking ugly. I just thought it was hideous. You think it looks like it kind of does look a bit like some of the off cuttings of rogues netted. <laughs> <laughs> I like Richter's costume. You like I mean, Richter's? I don't love it, but I thought it was kind of fun and I thought it kind of fit into like this druid direction that they're kind of taking him in. But sure. I, my one note for, for Excalibur beyond, I, I really wanted to ask you, you know, how you felt about the politics of it all, but I loved Shatterstar and Richter's reunion. Oh, um, I thought Richter was a highlight of this issue in general. Um, certainly him using his powers to like move the lighthouse off the coast of Britain and being like, bitch, we're on our own now. What are, what are you going to do, Boris? You can't, you can't control us now. No, I don't know. But I, uh, I, I thought that, you know, the one thing, say what you will about Excalibur, the one thing that it has done consistently over the course of its run is trying new and different things with Richter. And whether or not you have enjoyed what they've done, they're pushing him in different, new and different directions. And he is a character who has been kind of in need of a new and different direction since, since the early nineties. So um, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, I didn't love the stuff with Pete wisdom. I think poor Pete uh, probably suffered kind of a, a needless death, but you know, what is death in the, in the Krakoan era, I guess. Um, you know, it, 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 it could have been better. It could have been worse, but um, all good for Richter. Always, always all good for Richter. Do you think Jubilee's as pissed off as Dazzler that she wasn't asked to do the fireworks? <laughs> and she's just there going, excuse me, like, <laughs> what, like what am I here for? Right. Like, <laughs> well, give Does this... she do the fireworks in Hoxpox at the end? Did she do that? No. 
She didn't do that. It was Dazzler. It was Dazzler. Yeah. It was Dazzler. Siren and Dazzler, wasn't it? Siren screamed into Dazzler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that 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 kind of if it, this is like a, a mutant gala and we're showing, you know, like this is all powered by mutants, you're right. Why wasn't Jubilee doing the fireworks? Like they, because mm, mm, couldn't a, get that's a, a miss. She couldn't get a babysitter, so she had to bring Shogo with her. Oh, no, come on, guys. Let's give Jubilee the benefit of the doubt. They couldn't afford her. Emma Frost couldn't afford Jubilee. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else to say on Excalibur? Um, I thought the art was fantastic. Yeah, it was beautiful. It's beautiful. I think all of the art in the Hellfire Gala, there wasn't uh, an issue where I was like, that was rushed or anything. Like, I felt like everyone took their time. Yeah, um, but sure. speaking of beautiful art, X-Men 21, that splash with Dodderman revealing the team, mm-hmm. I thought it was gorgeous. And it was a great issue overall. What did you boys think? I thought this was by far of the early part of the gala it obviously felt like end of act one um and i thought it was so exciting I, I, that the the thing with um cyclops and kevin feige was a bit cheese but it was so heartfelt at the same time we have a thing on x nation that we call pulling an anthony which is not as as um sexual as it sounds it means crying <laughs> <laughs> and um there's i am like a a sort of softy and I cry at anything. And there's so many times during the Hellfire Gala, I cried at things. And one of them was the whole Cyclops monologue. I thought that was amazing. And then just seeing all the Omegas get together, it was so exciting. And and like, I couldn't wait for the next week with Planet Size, even though I kind of worked out what was going to happen. But like, I was, it was just, it just felt so perfectly paste that issue did um the bit at the start with the intrigue and um, namor and the illuminati and um like oh you've only got an island and they were like oh now we've got a planet bitch like like what are you gonna do now and then it just the reveal of the team and then suddenly um the whole thing at the end with ms and this is one of these moments where you're gonna um, want to tell people you were there um and it was just fantastic I love hearing you talk so much. You're giving me shills. I know. I'm like, I, I, a lot of these issues, I I only unfortunately got to read like one time. So I don't like recall exactly what happened and what issue. And like, I don't have like that recall for it, but like just hearing you like give us a quick recap of what happened in, in X-Men 21. I'm like, Oh yeah. Move into the power of X-Men Treehouse. Like you have your own room. Okay. (laughs) I, I personally, I have to say, you know, I always love seeing a little check-in on the Illuminati. I, most of those characters are assholes, but like, they're one of my favorite villain teams for sure. (laughs) Um, So I, you know, I, I always want to see what's going on. um, You know, when those guys get together and of course, Namor looked very lovely in his, his black costume. Um, well, I love that he's the ruler of Atlantis and he showed up like that. And he's, and then not only that, he's here like, bitch, I own 70% of this yeah. planet and you guys have a little island. Peace. And it was like, bitch, you have no idea right? what's coming next. And that was excellent. I thought that was like an excellent foreshadowing. Like start the book with Namor being a dick. Like, oh, you're an island on a planet. And then in the book, we're like, bitch, we got the planet. Like it, it was... <laughs> amazing but like one thing i do have to say and this is sort of like an overarching like statement for for the gala itself not just x-men 21 but x-men 21 is an example of it i oh, i can't believe i'm about to say this out loud say it, I, say it, say it. 
really liked Jean. <gasps> I thought that she looked great. I thought that she felt very in character and she was kind of like, she didn't come across as like the leader of the X-Men because traditionally that's like not her role, but she did come across as very like the mom of the X-Men. And I think that that is on brand for her. And I feel like she hasn't, you know, really lived up to that for quite some time. Well, um, you say mom, Red, I yes. say the heart of the X-Men. But yeah, I'm gonna sure, say the sure. mom. The mom. <laughs> like, Sue Storm, Storm vibes. Like that's what she gave in that issue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like she is like, obviously Storm is the, is the queen goddess of the universe at this point, but Jean is still, you know, the the anchor of the X Men the female she's grounding. anchor yeah she's she grounding. she's what grounds the the team and I think that she did you know she's obviously has massive displays of power throughout the gala but she's still grounded she's still Jean she's still I don't know it was good it was the best one of the best Jeans in a very long time honestly Anthony you have no idea how long I have waited for this bitch to say something <laughs> positive about Jean. Thank you. Literally since 2005, I have been waiting. Yeah. Well, well she, she was, was dead for most of that. Dead for most of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I agree with you. The only thing I'm going to say about Jean that I didn't like during the Hellfire Gala, I thought she looked ugly. I hated her costume. I think the art is beautiful, obviously, Russell Dodderman and everyone, but I didn't like her outfit. I didn't. I, and I never expected Jean to be high fashion. Not one bit. I've already mentioned it once already, but they had another moment that made me cry as well. And I've, uh, it was the bit where um, I think it's Cersei who turns around and says that um, to Johnny Storm that it's not like competition. It's just pride. And I was like, oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> just <laughs> it's, and by the way, to set to the, the other point that made you cry, Kevin Feige, I took that as a show of faith from Marvel, yeah. like yeah. a little wink to us that the X-Men are coming to the MCU and, you know, just hang tight a little longer. So I thought it was a, I thought it was a very beautiful issue. It was a very strong issue. I agree. Yeah. Planet size X-Men. What did you guys think? I mean, what can I say about it? It was a gorgeous issue. It was a milestone for, for, for mutants. I mean, I, I think we thought a few years ago when all the Inhumans mess was happening, that the X-Men were going to like, leave the planet to escape the, the Terrigen cloud. Um, this is better. I'm glad that it went down like this and not like that. Oh, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but who suggested leaving the planet? Beast. Fuck you, Hank McCoy, once again. Fuck yeah. you. Sorry. No, no. I mean, anytime you want to you wanna cut me off to throw in a fuck beast, I am okay with that. <laughs> I mean, I really don't have, I think... I don't have a, a whole lot of notes on this one or thoughts on this one because it's just, it's just epic. And I mean, terraforming Mars and Storm being the God Queen of the solar system. I mean, it's just high sci-fi concept shit that, you know, I didn't see coming down the pipeline for, for the X-Men and it, it, it's great. I mean, I just simply put, it was great. I like to pretend with X-Men is that it's real. Um, and all this stuff is really happening. And it's not. <laughs> and um, you mean Mars hasn't the, been colonized. <laughs> but the thing that I thought, Araco, um, um, the thing that I thought was fantastic is the science of how they did it 
seemed real. And I thought that was so good, like that Magneto would throw an asteroid into the the center so the core um, came back to life. Um, and the thing that I thought was really great is how they used like hope and um, um, others to like amplify powers. But the only bitch who didn't need a power amplifier was Storm. Thank you very much. Like yes. our does- regent soul. <laughs> yeah, and that bit where. We, you got the data page and it was hold fast for a message from the Regent of Soul. I can't believe they left us hanging a week before telling us it was Storm. But like, I was like, I know that Storm. And I was so excited. I remember showing that page to my husband and going, this is Storm. Storm's going to be queen of the solar system. And he was like, sorry, what? And I was like, no, look. And he, and he was like, I, I, I haven't been reading this book. I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, read it. I, it was just fantastic. <laughs> I, you know, with Planet Size X-Men, the only thing I, I was going to say that felt a little too convenient for me was that all of a sudden the Racco mutants were a problem. And that scene between Scott and Steve, which I thought was going to be a little bit more epic or a little bit more grand and, and more emblematic of their relationship. It, it, it turned into a conversation about the Racco mutants and they were like, okay, well, here's, here's that resolution. That's fine. I'm glad they did it. I think it works really well. It just felt like it was, and we'll get to this later on. I felt like there were certain plots, like a certain pretender that they just drop right there. And they sort of like, I wish they would have sourced that a little earlier in the story instead of it just coming. I mean, there there has been that reference to it in, I think it was in in an issue of cable when two Araco mutants were causing like a bar fight. But like, Mm. like you said, they could have done that for like a couple of months before just showing yeah. them causing all this trouble and that or like make- or like steve being like so there are no racco mutants here at this gala like i you know show his paranoia a little bit ahead of time that would because be because i just felt like he was just like it's like you drove all the way to the expansion just to talk to cyclops about the racco mutants and then that's it i don't know and i feel like and i'm you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, especially after this week's X-Men. But like, I feel like the mutants need a good PR team because I need them to have like some lines to tell the Avengers or like the media when they come talking because Cyclops like just seems like he's making shit up on the spot. I'm like, yeah. get some talking points. You know, yes, you just tripled the size of mutants with the Araco mutants or whatever it was. Like, you should be prepared to talk to the world about that. Yeah, that's like, um, that's my day job. Um, I I run a communications team and um, we were not talking about it, but this week's X-Men, I was like, Cyclops never talked to a journalist. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that too. Like, I was just like- I haven't read it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay, no, no. Move, on. Move it along, move it along. <laughs> move just it along. FYI. Um, but wasn't no, Planet- prepared for that conversation. Today. Sorry, Planet Size X-Men is really good. That's it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I will say like one of the things that I really appreciated about it is giving the Omega mutants their moment. Like for years and years and years, we're like Omega mutants, they're Omega class, they're Omega class. They're the most powerful, blah, 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 blah. But like, I, I maybe it's happened before, but this is the first time that I can recall that it's like the Omega mutants all together making a statement like, bitch, we are powerful. Like, look what we can do. And if I were Steve Rogers, I would be pretty upset and quaking in my boots as well like yeah yeah i love that i love the line when um they were trying to think of ways in which they could do it and then i think it was kid omega or iceman who was like let's get um franklin and magneto was like he's no family of ours (laughs) yeah 
Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention in this issue, I'm glad that they've shown hope as being the conduit. Um, we've seen that obviously with the five. I wish they would just lean into that messiahness of her and just explicitly state it, you know. Um, but I, I'm glad hope has a larger purpose, and I'm glad that they do see her as this messianic figure who can help revive mutants and planets. That's I, very biblical. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I, I think it's a testament to the writers that we have on the X books now. I think a lot of them are X-Men fans who probably read that same material we did, you know, when it was coming out with Hope and the Messiah Complex and everything. And then like realizing, well, she hasn't lived up to her potential at all. At least in my mind, that that's kind of like what I think is like, oh, okay, well, these guys like the same comics I do. It would make sense for them to utilize Hope in a manner befitting what she was originally intended to be. Yeah, we um, over on X Nation, we love hope because um, obviously we started with Messiah Complex. So she's she almost like our mascot because she's been there the entire, she's been with us the entire time. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Generation Hope as well. Um, oh, and I thought that was really great. Yeah, I think that there's a the bit in that, again, a bit like that finger snap I mentioned with Lady Mastermind, the bit where um, Martha talks about, um, I never had a heartbreak just actually destroys me um and it's a real and i interviewed we interviewed um james asmus about it and he remembered i was a massive massive fan of gambit and that's why like he put me in that issue of gambit like uh, um, remy breaks into buckingham palace using my name as an alias so i am always with my favorite superhero hence the tattoo like I'm in that's why it's framed on the wall because that's the issue gambit issue six where um the i'm being knighted by the queen but it's gambit like using my name i love that uh, here i thought being cameoing on the gifted was <laughs> was, was something you freaking cameoed in a comic that's incredible you're in canon you're 616 canon yeah oh. apparently, like th th there's a page where like with gambit's aliases <laughs> my name's on it that's it was it was before I got married, so like it, I have to admit, it was a real decision when I got married. Like, if I change my name, and because the Lowbridge is my husband's half of the name, mm -hmm. and if I was like, if I change my name, like it won't be exactly as it was in the comic anymore. But I did anyway. I wouldn't have changed my name. Like <laughs> that's, that's it. Good for you. You're a much more giving person than than I. <laughs> you're an in canon character identity in the marvel 616 and i would never be able to change that but no i'm, I'm sorry sorry I, sorry that, that's not canon <laughs> <laughs> i love that so much i haven't read that issue i'm going to pick it i'm obviously going to read it once we're done talking here today it's, it's really special for me um and i just think it's um like i always said at the time like i can die happy now <laughs> oh yeah that's i mean that's incredible that is an honor for sure. I I just, that is truly, truly an honor. And I just love your vibe. Like, I just, I'm so glad we got to start the morning off with you. Oh, you know, for like, sure. My day is all downhill from here. Yeah, <laughs> same. <laughs> um, all right. So New Mutants 19, X-Corp 2, and Wolverine 13. What did we think of those three issues? I mean, the thing that sticks out in New Mutants 19 for me is the, the Laura's the dear Laura letter at the very end like I was like oh my god that's heartbreaking and um I thought that was really really sad um again um I think um like was said earlier 
um, there were some clumsy bits, the whole rain being a bit of a, a mopey madam going around the party. Um, and also the the weird thing with Warlock um, and Cypher and Bay. Um, I was like, oh, okay. But I, I always say this, um, and this is probably the thing on our podcast, me and Paul, where we differ. I was never a massive fan of these new mutant characters. For me, my young team is a new X-Men. So like, I don't really hold any sort of like joy for these characters. So like, I like them, a few of them on their own, like Danny, but I'm never really massively excited when I see these characters on this, on this page. You and I are of the same mind on that. Um, my, my team, my student team is of course, Generation X and then New X-Men, love New X-Men as well. But I just, I don't have that same nostalgia for the New Mutants cast. So like, I'm never gonna be the one who's like, oh yeah, Danny and, and Rain moments. I love it. Like, you know, I know they have their history. There are two characters who, who are, whose arcs are like super intertwined, but like, a book about them walking ab- around the gala, just co- sort of having a chat. It, it wasn't. It wasn't my favorite. Even though, of course, I, I say it every time that a, a Peter David X Factor plot is mentioned. Even though you know they're talking about you know an X abandoned X Factor plot, it just didn't feel appropriate. It just didn't feel like that is what should have been happening. But I do agree with the dear Laura letter that broke my heart. And I'm gonna go ahead and, and, and spoil, you know, we're talking and jump ahead to Wolverine um, I, the, with the Christian Frost death as, as well. I'm not over that. I I'm, want him resurrected. I want to see it. Jump to the jump to the, to the front of the queue, Christian. But like <laughs> his death and Pete's death both felt kind of unnecessary and yeah. and out of nowhere pete a little less so like i get it that that clan akaba 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 whatever uh just say it every every which way with every accent um that you know that plot has been brewing in excalibur for a while so like having someone sacrifice to them okay whatever but um i i i gabby's was very emotional all that to say gabby's was very emotional there had been build up in the book um, she's a character I like. Her relationship with Laura is is really important. So I thought that that was incredibly impactful. And that's about the only thing that I really took away from New Mutants. Well, and Vita, they had established that in issue one. She yeah. was worried about what it meant to be a clone and getting resurrected. Yeah. And people were trying to talk her out of it. And we saw that fear realized. That's a testament to Vita and their incredible writing talent and being able to put that in there and make it feel organic. There was one really confusing bit in New Mutants and it was because of the celebrity cameos because there was that jerk man who was um, chatting up um, karma and magic. And when I first saw him, I thought it was Jonathan Van Ness. And then when he started to like be gross, I was like, why are they making Jonathan Van Ness be like a sexual predator? And then I was like, oh, it's not Jonathan Van Ness. I literally thought the same. I was like, oh, queer eye. And I was like, oh, not queer at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, some of the celebrity cameos, I'm not going to lie, just went over my head. I didn't, I I obviously could pick out Leah Williams, Zeb Wells, and sort of more the uh, other iconic celebrities. Patton Oswald was there. Yeah. Wait, where was Patton Oswald? I think he was in X-Men 21. 
Oh, okay. I think some of them just went over my head. I mean, I, I have no shame in saying that. Like, I needed some context there. For the, I, I need Ariana Grande and her high pony. That's the only way I would recognize someone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought those issues were were fine. You know, X Corp. I X Corp. Excuse me. I liked issue one. I like this issue. I, I'm curious to see where it's going. I, I didn't. Was... Like, I, I didn't like issue one, but I thought this was a, a step up in terms of quality i i really enjoyed x core um and you know i think unlike sword which which dove right into king and black and it's its second issue i think like we sort of mentioned earlier i think tying it into the gala was actually a good thing for this book yeah um it didn't derail like the setup of the cast and we we, we got to see like very well um how the book and how this cast are are positioned and you know speaking of the cast i I'm going to love this book because I love the cast. I mean, M is one of my all-time favorites. Um, it's about time. Angel, got something to do. Uh, Madrox, Trinary, love it. And then I think um, Mastermind, I think, he, you know, he joins in this issue. And I think he's a great choice. Um, I think that his, you know, it makes sense why he would be a part of this cast. And I think he sort of ingratiates himself in a really um, good and, and sort of natural way. But, you know, I have to say, you know, I would have loved Celine. I would have loved her to be, to be on the cast, but if they're only going to pick one of those, I think mastermind, um, he hasn't done anything in decades. So I think giving him something to do is, is going to be good. And I think he makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I agree. And, um, let's see where they go with it, but you know, I agree. I really like M. I love Angel. I'm glad Angel finally has something to do. He's sort of been wayward for a while since Uncanny X-Force. Sorry, Apollo's joining the call. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, these three issues were, were fine for me. I, I think it's the last three issues that really, for me, Sword Number 6, Way of X3, and X-Factor 10, that I was literally, like, really engrossed in the story. Yeah. So... I have to say the circling back to something that Anthony you mentioned earlier, I I do think that the reading order that Marvel's like official reading order was a little off. Um, you mentioned you would have preferred to have read um, X Men before Excalibur, and I actually read Way of X before Sword, which is not how they recommended doing it. So I actually got to experience that scene that little blip cameo scene of magneto and wanda dancing as kind of like a what the fuck kind of like background panel moment before we got the full scene in sword and i so i i i didn't want to say that then because it was jumping ahead but like i do agree that like whoever put that reading order together there is some refinement i would put x-men before excalibur and i put way of x before sword yeah i agree on excalibur after X-Men, but I'm looking at the reading order. It says sword number six and then way of X number three. It's wrong. I'm telling you, it's wrong. You think, wait, wait, you think it's wrong? I read sword. I read sword first and then way of X. So you're saying way of X first and then sword. Yeah. Because otherwise what's going on with that Magneto and Wanda scene and the way that it played out for me when I read it, you know, out of order because I'm a Dazzler stan. So I was like, Dazzler's going to be in this one. I got to read this one first. Uh, And then she barely was. It's fine. But um, 
Yeah, no, like getting that seed planted first and not knowing what was happening. I was like, wait, that's the Scarlet Witch. What is she doing oh, here? Oh, I see and what you're saying. Jumping no, I think, yeah, it's like intriguing and you want to read yeah. one about that. Right. Because it's a drunken stupor. Like, you know, he's drunk and like, oh, what does that mean? I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, so I love Sword. I mean, Sword is my one of my favorite books during the Reign of X era. Uh, the Pretender Descending onto you know with magneto and and that whole scene i listen i was very happy with that and i was very sad with the ending i was like motherfucker and you called it of course flink a lot of people were like yes wanda was gonna be the one who died i didn't think wanda was gonna be the one who died you know i cite the interview we did with Cy spurrier where he said there's a much larger story with wanda on the rise i'm like oh she's not gonna die in the hellfire god well, this is her this is her story. <laughs> but this is her story so what did you guys think of all of that? We have a, a moment, we have a thing on the podcast we, at the end of the podcast, because we do, we review all the books in one, in one go that came out in a month. And then we talk about um, our favorites and least favorites. And we have a thing called Wicked Moment of the Month, which is the most, we're just a panel that gets us so excited. And my Wicked Moment of the Month, and it's likely to be my Wicked Moment of the Year, is just that hand coming through the portal saying, Victor, you know my name when we finally get the reveal that Storm is the regent of song, um, I thought that was absolutely incredible and uh, such a standout moment. Um, and I think like Sword really earned its sort of red issue status. There were so many fantastic things in that book from the um, the uh, unveiling of uh, Miss, what Mysterium actually was and then oh. to the big wonder reveal at the end as well. I just thought it was like, like a shocking like such an exciting book well um, and I, lo I love the world building and it's establishing our solar system as part of this galactic government and why we are a resource and why you don't want to fuck with us yeah. and i think storm would be emblematic of that the only thing i'm going to say though it's like and i love that storm is regent soul i just you, you they appointed her regent soul was there like uh how did they go about making that decision are humans on earth okay with that? should humans even care because mutants are the ones who revived the planet i don't know i don't know what and what does regent soul actually do does she have like jurisdiction over earth like can she if there's going to be a galactic war can she speak on behalf of earth how does all of that work i'm excited to see like this stuff um sort of permeate into all of the Marvel books, especially like we've got a big cosmic event um, oh, yeah. starting generally. But I just think like, will, will Avengers mention that Storm is um, Regent of Soul? Will in Black Panther, they mention, oh, your ex-wife is now queen of the solar system. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Which by the way, and circling back on Black Panther and Storm, I thought the scene with Shuri in Ten of Swords, that conversation mm -hmm. they had was one of my favorite favorite scenes in a while and i think it shows the relationship t'challa and her have and what she has with with that entire book and series and um wakanda so yeah i, I just i'm curious to see how it's going to work i love that storm is regent soul i just want them to go there with the story i want them to do the world building and give that tlc they have towards like, let's say Krakoa, because making her Regent Soul, that's a very lofty plot and statement. 
that I think needs to be flushed out and needs to be recognized 100%. It can't be something that's just in the background. Yeah. But then my other fear with that is that they don't. And that Storm is just in this one book in her own little corner and not part of the larger X books and X narratives. And, and that makes me very apprehensive. She's a, a, she's a main cast member of S.W.O.R.D. from now on, isn't she, I think? Yeah, she's going to be yeah. a main cast member of S.W.O.R.D. But I want to make sure that she gets her dues everywhere. And she's not just... Uh, is she going to be based in Mars? Is that the... the like the, the, is the that where her, her place is? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Oh, we'll um, see. And they've got that other they've got that other peak station as as well. Um, yeah. um I liked I, I, the one thing I thought was really strange is I thought it was good. Still, I'm really enjoying Way of X, and I'm ashamed. I, I'm I'm sad that it's only like a limited run um, title. Although we've got the sort of so is that confirmed? It's a limited run because I know it wasn't solicited for um, September, and we have the onslaught book, which has both the creatives on it yeah i think i've heard that i might be wrong but i think i've heard that like this goes away at six they do this onslaught thing and then it might come back for like a season two but i mean they said that about fallen angels and it never happened so yeah um, um but i i was i thought it was really strange way of x was like one third of the book was at the gala and then it was just this story about this like brothel and these babies which i thought was a great story and it was a really good good use of stacy x but yeah. i was surprised how little of it was about the gala um but i, I thought it was a really good book uh, and i really enjoyed like uh, dazzler is also one of my favorite x-men characters Woo-hoo! and i'm down for her and dr nemesis as a yes. bit of an odd couple i think it works i, I think you both her- agree on that her usual type is like such a pretty boy that I think going for somebody like Dr. Nemesis is, is new and will provide her like, if, if it's something that obviously, you know, as was just discussed, way of X may not be, may not be returning post post onslaught, who knows. But I I think if that's something that they chose to uh, give some page time to, I, I would be, I would be totally, totally into it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with it too. I, it's funny, I, we talked about it, Flink, about what's going on with Way of X. I, I never thought it was a limited run. I just thought maybe they were going to pause and do the Onslaught title since Bob and Sai are are still the creatives on that. But, you know, if this is how they're managing the X-Books going forward, I'm happy with it, you know? Like, just tell your story, and if the sales aren't there, you can come back for a season two or you do something different. I so. think I'd rather know in advance... You know what I mean? Like, I think I would have rather known that Way of X was going to be limited rather than being like so excited for it being like Dazzler finally in a monthly book. And then it sort of seems like maybe, maybe not. Maybe but, not. Well, but- I wonder if it's just because of the way Hickman likes to manage like the comic book industry and they don't know if these books are going to sell until like issue two. I Fair. think it was um, Cena Grace who was here like, yeah, I was on issue three of Iceman and I got a call saying my book was canceled, but they may be able to bring me back. So, but I, I agree with what you were saying. I, it was such a big marketing push for Way of X that you think, oh, this is just going to be one of the new ongoing titles. Yeah. But like, LOL, JK, it actually maybe isn't. And there's no formal announcement on that. You just kind of have to infer that. I think, like, I think as long as people know in advance that they get in this amount of issues, um, one of the best books at the minute, I think, has been the cable book which didn't tie into the gala but i think that's because i read that as if it was always almost going to be like a maxi series so like you had 12 issues to tell this good story and i think that's where 
where X Factor has failed in recent weeks, where there was all these plans at the start when X Factor was coming out about like, oh, what would happen if somebody wanted to change gender and like, would they be resurrected back into their um, birth body or their chosen body? And all of these things that we were like teased about actually never happened because yeah. the, the the book didn't um, the book didn't sell very well. And I think the character work is incredible. I think the story was um, sort of ordered in the wrong way for X Factor, I would have done this Prodigy story rather than go to the Mojoverse or even do this Morrigan, even though I love going back to the Peter David Morrigan storyline, it went on for too long. And I think it would have been more interesting to tell the story about David than it would have been to tell the story about someone who wasn't even in the book. Um, and I think that really perhaps didn't help X Factor, but, um, and I, like I said earlier in the, in the show, for me, X Factor was the one that was a big sort of like, uh-uh, for, for the gala it just didn't feel very a good end um although obviously we had the shocking reveal of the scarlet witch's murder um pretender yeah and some of the weird things like speed going mommy like okay <laughs> i thought that was so yeah, that- weird too I, and it's yeah. not to say that he can't have a reaction seeing his mom dead like that because buffy that, that reminds me of buffy going mom mommy but it just felt so boom there for a teenager to say mommy like that. I don't know. I don't disagree with his reaction. It was just a wording and maybe for that. I feel like you said when we were discussing X Factor just the other day, I think you mentioned that you thought that there was another issue after, yeah. after this. And I agree that it feels like another issue. It, it felt like I really loved the issue. I do think of course that Prodigy's story, um, you know, it's a very timely one, you know, uh, violence against queer people of color is, a, is obviously a huge issue. And I do agree that that particular story is so important. It could have had a lot more room to breathe. Um, and that she was kind of rushing to wrap it up. I am glad that she was able to do so, but I do agree as as the final issue of this gala crossover, it it didn't it didn't really bring it home. You know, yeah. it, ha- it it ended with that cliffhanger, but even with that cliffhanger, that cliffhanger it, it didn't bring it home. It just didn't but, bring it. Home. So Wanda was invited to the gala. Did I read that correctly? And she was here like the pretender won't feast at the table. I was like, why would they even invite her to the to the gala? I wonder if it was like Magneto invited her, but mm-hmm. um, but oh, because of that email too at Strange Academy. Yeah, yeah, Strange Academy. Yeah. Um, the one thing I thought was really weird is like, um, I think some of the characters' behaviors was a bit. I, I'm I'm a massive fan of Dakin, hence my cat's name, um, <laughs> and and I love that I love that character so much. Um, and I really love his relationship with Aurora that has been developed in this book. I think it's fantastic. But I found the scene where him and Aurora were flirting while they were carrying out David's dead body in a body bag just felt so like, okay, this is inappropriate. Like, why are you getting turned on? Well, like- no, I, I, I've said this before about <laughs> X Factor, as Flink knows, there, there are some moments where the characterization felt off it's not to say that the writing isn't good or anything like that the characters for the way i dayspring interpret them it just felt a little different for me but um i love just to talk about what we were talking about the you know the the crime against people of color and queer people i thought it was so great that leah williams was be able to deliver that message 
especially right now. I felt, again, like you and Flink were saying, that it, it was rushed. I wish it would have had time to breathe because I thought that, that scene with Aurora felt more like a data dump yeah. than an actual, like, like if she was talking to the press or the media or even at the Hellfire Gala, I would have been like, yeah, that's what she said was perfect, but she's in a room here. And it felt like it was more Leah Williams taking the reins to deliver the message and not something Aurora would organically say because it was very, it was very articulate, very potent. And we need that message there. So I'm glad it was there. But I wish I, I think it's a byproduct of the the story not having time to breathe and it feeling a little stiff. But that being said, I mean, I can't believe we live in a world where that message was delivered. Yeah. And, and it's delivered properly. The other thing that I appreciate with this issue is quite the sort of non-binary nature of um, some of the team's costume choices. Um, oh, yeah. uh, uh, and not really non-binary, more fluid, um, uh, particularly Prodigy and iBoy. Uh, as someone, himself, someone themselves who I am cisgendered, but I like to... Um, express the way I look and what I wear and makeup and stuff like that especially more in in lockdown I've done that a bit more sometimes I've had negative reactions from family members when I've done that and like um, seeing this I just felt really great that there was that representation on the page as well when we first met on zoom I thought you looked so beautiful for (laughs) the um, event we were at and I just when I regrammed you a couple of weeks ago to announce that you were going to be on it, I just thought you looked so powerful, ethereal, mysterious, intelligent in, in, in that pose you did. So I'm so sorry that you got that feedback from people closer to you. In, in well, your- well we, we've had, we had talks about it now and like we've moved on. I, I remember speaking with my parents saying like, how, how you made me feel when you, you said that to me. And like a couple of weeks ago, we were somewhere with my mom and my mom was like, my mom asked me to do her nails and I'm like, Oh, okay. She's turned a corner. And so that was really nice. So yeah, it, it things sometimes people don't realize they've hurt you until you speak up and say, I don't like it when you I didn't like it when you said that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm past it now, but I liked seeing that representation in the book. Yeah. It, it's, it's a powerful representation. So to end our hellfire gala, uh, discussion where would you put this in terms of crossovers is it at the top of the list for you is it sort of medium or is it at the bottom um it's 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 definitely at the top um i think i think it it for me it didn't tell a story it it was a theme the theme was mutant supremacy and mutant culture and i think that was really great i think some of the better ones for me are things like we've mentioned messiah complex um the second coming things that actually tell a story from start to end i like those things um a bit more because i like continuity um this felt very good as a theme and i would love them to do another hellfire gala next year but i'd probably want it to be more truncated probably like six issues and don't tie everything into it because i think that some books were better than others in terms of how they played with that theme but i I thought it was a fantastic month of comics one of the best months since the whole hox pox era yeah i agree i think they they did really well with putting the story together and making sure that everything lined up. Um, But Flink, I'm curious, how does the Hellfire Gala rank for you in terms of crossovers 
and stories? Is it up there? Is it in the middle or is it at the bottom of your list? I think it's probably in the middle just because it isn't a crossover in the traditional sense. There wasn't necessarily that hook, like a, like a Messiah complex that has me like on the edge of my seat every single week, wondering what's going to happen next. Um, But I I do want to give it really high marks for, for trying something new for doing a different kind of crossover format. I almost don't even want to call it a crossover. I just want to call it like a shared plot you know what i mean it 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 almost is unfair to lump it in with things like inferno or second coming or or whatnot just because it doesn't move at the same pace and have that same you know sort of sense of urgency but that that doesn't mean i didn't like it i i loved it and i think that you know when you think about um the 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 hickman era you're gonna have these these benchmarks and i think that the hellfire gala is is absolutely going to be one of those benchmarks. Um, I think it's something that we're all going to be talking about for for years to come, even if the story wasn't, hadn't have been so incredible, just mm-hmm. like, like Anthony said, you know, mutants having having a pride and, and pride month and everybody dressing up and, and looking fabulous. It just, it, it, it was, whether it was the best crossover of all time or not, it was a compelling story and it was beautiful to look at. And when it comes to X-Men comics, you really can't ask for too much more than that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you guys said. I, I agree with you, Flink, that it would be at the middle of the list for me. But Anthony, as you said, like it's mutant pride and it was about you know celebrating and mutants what they can do and it fits in with the reign of x theme which has been expansion and they fucking went there and i'm really glad they did and i thought it was it was a fun crossover or event and you know let's see if we're going to get it again next year who knows who knows it should be an annual thing Anthony, where can people at home find you and your 13-year-old podcast? That just It's wild you've been doing this since before Messiah Complex. Yeah, um, you, can, um, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on the Cultural Wormhole Podcast Network, so just search for that. Um, you can get every single, like I said, every single episode we've ever released um, is on Spotify. So if you do use Spotify, you can get all of our back issues um, there. We're on Instagram um x nation pod and we're um on twitter at the x nation and if you want to listen to me um you or uh, um look at what i'm doing i'm on twitter as remy lebeau underscore uk um i'm oh, sorry on instagram as remy lebeau underscore uk and twitter as remy lebeau because i was too slow on instagram um to get the actual one um and um, my husband and i also do a travel podcast and we also do have a travel website called have husband will travel um, and you can listen to us talk about our travel adventures when we're allowed to leave the country. Um, and yeah, we've got our website, havehusbandwilltravel.com. So you're a busy person. <laughs> busy, busy. Busy, busy. All right, folks, as always, I'm the Uncanny Dayspring. And I'm the adjective Flinkman. And we'll see you guys next week.